Levels of sausages, let's say. Levels of sausages? Because you got the the Polish sausage, the Polish heat, the kielbasa. What what do we got here? There you go. It's a a form of kielbasa. Okay. You know, spicy. The little white chunks in it. (laughs) I always found Polish sausage tends to be just more spiced than spicy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Completely. Try try southern sausage. Yeah, Yeah, but no, 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 no. But it's, you're, it's not. This coming from someone who thinks black pepper is spicy. So. Okay, I don't think it's spicy. My <laughs> mouth reacts to it as if it was. That is not a choice. I do it's not like actively choose. It's like, she's like I am not making a choice. <laughs> I have chosen to call this spicy. You have chosen poorly. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I have to do a, a breath test. Part of my gastro thing is they're uh-huh. checking... Oh, for that uh, bacteria. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the food prep is ridiculous. Food prep. Yes. You have 24 hours before you do the test. Okay. Where, which is just breathing into tubes. All right. My test, when I do it, I'm breathing into tubes. Okay. Every 15 minutes after I drink this uh, sugar uh, water thing, because it'll, it'll judge how my body reacts to it over the course of yeah. like two hours. The 24 hours before, I have a 12-hour fast. And before that, uh, baked or broiled chicken, white rice. Oh. Um, there's only a handful of foods I can eat. All bland town. <clears throat> exactly. And so I was like, okay. So I'm calling them because I'm like, okay, uh, baked chicken. So rot- rotisserie chicken, is that okay? No. I can't do rotisserie chicken. What? Uh, okay. Well, they have the, too much spice in the char. No, they have. They really want you to have a very. They're trying to make yes. it so your digestive system does not react right. to anything. No, they don't want any spicy. So I was like, well, okay, oven baked chicken, like they have at Smith's, because I don't cook, and right, they're right. like, no, no, it's just spice. So it's like, I'm gonna unseasoned be, baked chicken is what they're wanting you to do. I'm gonna be eating eggs and white rice. And then go on a 12-hour fast before I do this thing. (laughs) Fortunately, it's the first thing in the morning, the following morning, and then I can just go ahead and eat. But it's going to be quite the day doing that. So I had to do an elimination diet two years ago so that I could really figure out what was bothering my stomach and my digestive system. It's five weeks. Oh. Oh. So. um, I'm happy now. Yeah. So. You have to cleanse, actually it might be six weeks, because you have to cleanse your system completely. So it's bland foods like that for an entire, at least a week. And then you start testing food groups. Right. So when you're testing food groups, you can have that food group stuff that you're testing, so like garlic. Um, so you test sugars, you test gluten, you test certain types of, like garlic, and I forget what group that is. And then you test um, dairy. So when you're testing those things, you can add those things back in, but you can't add anything else back in. So that whole five weeks, my only seasoning that I could eat was salt and pepper. That was it. Mm. But not pepper. Yeah. Have yeah. But not pepper. We well, pepper. well, that's no. that's because that's spicy. Because my mouth reacts. 
You know, it's funny. Your mouth reacts. Barry's mouth really reacts. <laughs> That's a very reactive mouth. You two are the pair. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 609. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Maple Leaf Matt. And Deb. And we're here to talk Ooh. Geek and Geek. There was sexiness hey, in that, Matt. Yeah, it Canadi- threw me off. I was Canadian like, summer there. Wow. <laughs> I just thought I'd come in hot, like the Polish heat across from me. That's right. There's competition. There you go. And I'm in between. Just and I'm sweating. Todd, just 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 give up and pour a little maple over that kielbasa. <laughs> Turn that your head gross. and think that sounds of wonderful. Indiana. Put it in between two Midwest buns. There you go. That's yeah. It works. Midwest buns. <laughs> Wow. I possibly have the show title. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's been a while since you've named one. <laughs> you, you've just, you've been lazy. Yeah. Speaking of two Midwest buns, I want to put a big thank you out to all of our new Kofi members. You guys came out and beyond our expectations and support. We, we know that you've wanted to support us for a while, but damn, wow. Thank you so very much. That was you very all sweet. just Friggin' rock. Yay. Yes. So, and if you aren't aware, did catch last week's episode, we have started a new Kofi. It is uh, www.ko-fi.com slash geekshock. And that's where we have our various membership tiers and see all the wonderful things that we offer for our various members. And it's great having you. It's been wonderful how active the Discord has been. Yes. That's been absolutely exciting and wonderful suggestions and all the goodies are, are coming up. We also have a couple of sponsors this week. Uh, first sponsor is, is a big one. We've talked about them a lot in the past. That's Alternate Reality Comics. They have their new location on Eastern, to be exact, uh, 2510 East. No, that's no, no, no. That's 30. <laughs> wrong address. <laughs> Good job, Torgo. What is this, amateur hour? What is this? Come on, man. Todd, you quite clearly don't put anywhere near enough effort into this show. Nope, job. absolutely not. <laughs> but God, it <laughs> 5300 Southeastern Avenue, Suite 130. Uh, they uh, are having their grand opening this Saturday. Yes. So th- this is it. So if you haven't been alternate reality, live in Vegas, check them out this Saturday. They're going to give free art prints to anybody who comes in. I assume as long as supplies last. They're going to have local artists Gina Parham, Ron Williams, James Stone, Donovan Peterson. They're going to be there sketching all day. And, of course, massive graphic novel sale and hourly raffles. So stop in, say hi to Ralph, check out the new place, get some cheap graphic novels. Uh, it's, it's a biggie. Literally, literally one of the best comic retailers in the nation. Literally. And he's been here in Vegas forever every time i go in i am like i like these comics and he picks out he's like you should try this one and every time i like it he knows he's he's really good at that he's really good at that he'll talk to you for just a few minutes less than five minutes and then he'll start pulling stuff off the shelves you know how you go to a good mixology bar and you go to that bar, t- that mixologist, and you go, you just tell them the kind of things that you like, kind of things that you don't like, and they make the perfect drink. That's Ralph in comics. Yes, yes. it is. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will point out, though, I went last weekend, and the new location, just be aware when you get close to it because you can pass right by that little shopping center because it really is only three shops. It's small. It's the, yeah. So just be careful because it's like on that part of Eastern where there's old houses 
and some of the houses are businesses and some of them are still houses. Yeah. And then there's this brand new little three store strip mall. So and, just and be careful. Don't no pass entrance it. on Eastern. You have to turn on Hacienda. Yes. Uh, it's at the Eastern and Hacienda Southeast corner. And you have to turn on Hacienda to get into the parking lot. Rogue Toys is there. Um, Ralph says that they're, they're looking at a couple other, couple other geeky stores. Uh, and eventually it's going to be like a geek central. It'd I think, be awesome. that, I think he said they're even going to like try to name the, the mini plaza, like, uh, Geek Collective or something. <laughs> That'd be horrible yeah. for Pioneer Gas, which I think is still in there too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. so again, 5300 Southeastern Avenue. Uh, I'll be there some po- at some point this Saturday, so maybe I'll see you there. Oh, I will going. also be there too. I'm yeah. gonna Rock and roll. Yes. Uh, I want some trades. I'm going to try to make it in. And if you've gone there and still haven't had enough geekdom, just go right down the road because there's War Room Games, our other sponsor this week. They're having a grand opening themselves, but theirs isn't until the 30th. So we'll kind of hammer that a little closer to home as that gets closer. But uh, they are at 2510 East Sunset Road, basically Eastern and Sunset. I, you know what? I didn't even put that together. They are. They're literally down the road. Like three yeah. lights down. Yeah. So and we- turn left. So my neighborhood has become a very geeky neighborhood, and yeah. I'm very, very happy about it. So uh, this Saturday, make it a geekdom. Go to Alternate Reality Comics and then stop by War Room Games. Uh, their shop is coming together, and it's sh- all the extra stuff they're building, like the specialty rooms for board games and role-playing games, that should be done by grand opening. So, But again, more on that as we get closer, and we'll tell you about their special events. But make sure you don't miss this Saturday, Alternate Reality. So my friends... Before we go on to what geeky things we did, a few things I want to put out there to our Kofi members. Uh, for those that are, have board games coming to you, uh, we set up a special Discord channel just for board games. It says Board Game Arena. That's where you go to tell me what board games you want to play, and then we'll figure out a meetup time. on. If you could do it in Vegas, we'll do it live, uh, but most likely not local. We will meet up on Board Game Arena and make it happen there. So that's where we put that together. Uh, the patch design is finished for you members. Sticker club design is is on its way and uh, more coming. But most of all, what was started yesterday, I started up a new Pinball FX3 tournament this week. It's going to be a seven-day-long tournament. It's on the Deadpool table. I realize not all of you have the Deadpool table. That's fine. There'll be other pinball tournaments in the future, but that's this month's, or at least this week's, who knows how many we'll have. Uh, pinball tournament if you want to go on you're going to look for my name on the by playstation moniker which should work on both pc and playstation whether it's four or five even three i think works unfortunately xbox players switch players they don't do any crossover on that Uh, but you're going to look for mr torgo m-r-t-o-r-g-o everything's capitalized except for the r and mr and the password to get into it is one word small case letters geek shock and that's it. You got seven days, three attempts, which means if you quit in rage, you got two left. Barry. Barry. Okay. Thank you for putting in the obvious. <laughs> and also for our members, we will be doing a spoiler talk this week on the Marvel What If show. So uh, those of you on Ko-Fi, your exclusive content, we'll be talking spoilers about that. But that being said, we will move on right now and say, gentlemen, what geeky things did you do? First of the ladies, Deb. Thank you. So I, like I said, stopped by Ralph's um, monstrous 
the trade six just came out and I've been dying to read it. So I went and picked it up. So I got to read that this week. It's very good. I love this comic. This comic is so good. Um, the, the art in it is amazing. It's gorgeous. Um, and the story, I am really getting into the storyline. Um, I don't really want to like give too much away, but if you really enjoy beautiful art, um, and very easy flow, easy to read comics, I would try at least trade one, just pick it up and try it. It's, it's amazing. And it's gorgeous to look at. Okay. I know you don't want to give a whole lot away about it. Uh, so if you were to equate the story of monstrous to maybe another story out there, what would you say? If you like this, you'll like monstrous. Oh goodness. So the base plot line is she has like a monster kind of like attached to her soul and they so they occupy the same body and she doesn't realize it until she hits like a super stressful point as a child and she essentially obliterates an entire city. Oh. That, um, that is some puberty, right? Yes. There. Wow. So um pretty typical. Yeah. So you know it's it's a fantasy it's a fantasy based story. Okay. Um, and the story is, it's called Monstrous because it's her essentially learning to live with this monster that also lives with her and their story evolving together. Um, he's an ancient being that like, you know, is attached to her bloodline, blah, 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 blah. Um, but it, you know, she, there's a lot of growing as a, as a person. She starts out as a super hateful, you know, I'm this monster, I'm going to act like one and then really becomes a very strong leader in the story. So good monstrous yeah anything else you do um i mean we watched a little bit of tv but you know it's been a quiet week this week all so. right quiet weeks happen yeah uh, speaking of quiet weeks matt what'd you do <laughs> funny <laughs> but i can't argue so uh basically i just got caught up on what if and then okay. we'll, we'll talk more about that in the uh spoiler talk but uh yeah that's all basically all i did and then wow. it was Sports ball, sports ball, yeah. sports ball. Sports, sports. Hockey season. Jesus. Listen. Deb, how do you live with this? <laughs> I mean, hockey's not horrible, actually. Um, and the game they watched last night, they watched it after, so you could fast forward through all of the commercial breaks. <laughs> it helps. So it wasn't it wasn't horrible. Okay. Yeah. Still. It's not football. No offense. <laughs> or baseball. Baseball's the worst, actually. Ooh, she just named two of your sports. Yeah. Huh, Jeff? It's fine. <laughs> now soccer, give me some soccer, oh, and I'm totally good. It is wow. If you have <laughs> if you have trouble with baseball, how do you get sit through soccer? soccer. Because I played soccer for so 15 years. There you go. 15. It's, I refereed soccer. Jeff, I coached soccer. It's, soccer. It's really exciting to see those one or two scores in 90 minutes. But also, oh, I like know longer than 90 minutes. <laughs> I know all the rules. So I can watch the game and know everything that's going on. New, 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 new uh, co-fight here. Um, Teach Deb Deb Deb, No, Deb explains offsides. (laughs) (laughs) You might get more attainment from me explaining offsides. (laughs) You haven't watched those soccer games that really get really intense when the one player trips on a blade of grass. I know, I know, and he's holding. He's holding. Actually, my favorites. Actually, I love putting up stretcher fails. There are guys who will put compilations up. You've got so much time to get the stretcher on the field, get the player on the stretcher, and get it off. Okay. And in some games, it goes terrible. <laughs> they like drop people. Yeah, they're dropping oh people. Like like out of haste. <laughs> yes, yeah, because they're moving them. so yeah. fast. The, uh, you know, they'll pick it up and like they can't. Then you know, one guy makes the mistake of facing away. 
you really no. should all face. So he picks it up, and the guy's face is jammed in his ass. Oh, no. And, <laughs> no, you know, no, no. Yes. And then there's there's tumbling off the they're, – they're running. They're running to the sideline. <laughs> so and one of bouncing. them trips. And one of them trips. And yeah. <laughs> I feel so sorry for the person on the <laughs> – well, now he's actually thing. hurt. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come Yikes. on. Those international players. They're not babies. Yes, they are. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're oh, not. my goodness. Oh, man. <laughs> you are if you got a broken leg already. This is, this is a little <laughs> they, they don't break anything. They, it's, like, it's, like, it's like, oh, crap. The ball got away from me. I'm going to trip on this dandelion. Oh, oh. And they just roll around, roll around, and, and, and they're sitting there, and they cover their eyes, and then they like peek a bit, like, oh, the ref saw? Okay. It's, and then, oh, the red, red card? Perfect. And they get up and like, ah. It's not that they're babies. They're just overly dramatic. That's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, man, wow. I've seen some flops in international soccer. Where you know they're trying to make it look like the other guy hit him, and like the other guy's yeah. like two full feet away from you. There's no way that person now, hit you. I will say, in Deb's defense, because in addition to watching stretcher fails, I have watched high school and college. There, there are people who have done compilation of high school and college girls soccer's, and those bitches are brutal. Mm-hmm. They're they're dude. We're talking like grabbing the braid oh, in yeah. the back of their head and a big old oh, yank. Fights. Just just oh, fights. Dude, yeah. yanking them right down. Oh yeah, wedgies. Did you do that, Deb? Did you? How many braids did you grab? <laughs> oh, she just saw oh, it, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> guys, you should have seen her face. That was Barry great. is like laughing his ass off right now. So I led my team in yellow and red cards. Um, <laughs> Hashtag not surprised. Uh, (laughs) Soccer was like my opportunity. I played goalie too for a really long time. Goalie and sweeper, Mm. which defense, you get to be super aggressive because, you know, you're defending. You know, the coach knew her player. It was my dad. It was my dad. Oh, okay. Yeah. That explains a lot. (laughs) Um, Not in high school, but when I played in in rec, it was my dad. So, um, but yeah, soccer was like my opportunity to get my, it was my stress reliever. It was oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah, that's what I think yeah. of when I think stress relief. Oh, I perfected slide tackling so- without getting carded. It was amazing. <laughs> you, wait, wait, wait. You perfected tackling without getting slide carded? Slide tackling slide without tackling. getting carded. Oh, okay. There, there is nothing like executing the perfect slide tackle and not getting penalized <laughs> for it. Yep. Seriously, it's, 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 it's exhilarating. It is. These two. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was very small. What position did you small play? Uh, I always played fullback because um, I was defense yeah. is the best. I was I was much smaller than the rest oh, yeah. of my team. Fucking offense! But you got to run up and down that field. Oh, I could, I could do fuck? that. What is this fucking basketball? Fuck this! I could run up and down the field. That wasn't the problem, but it just was my advantage because I was much smaller than the people that were coming after me. So they weren't anticipating that I would be as aggressive at getting the ball yep. away from them and getting them out of my end of the field. Yep. Same. So. Yeah, two and a half feet tall. You can't do much. No. No. Well, when I played basketball. You're so not I, far off. I played basketball for three years, and I played guard because no. of my soccer experience. So how I was. Many, how many red cards you get for that? Yeah. But her, Basketball dude, was a little harder. Her slide tackle on the court. <laughs> man. I mean, you get that rug burn on that. On that. That's just not so good. No. There's also nothing like playing in the rain and, you know, trying to do a slide tackle and then hydroplaning another 10 feet after (laughs) you've gotten the ball away and then you just keep going. And all the water that builds up in your jock? Uh, More mud. 
oh, than, than oh, just water. So, oh, okay. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> that's my inexperience showing. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so uh, <laughs> hockey season did launch this week, so I've been just doing that pretty much. So I get it. You know, it's new season, exciting, uh, clean slates. Anything yes. is possible. Yes. Deb might be playing. <laughs> oh my god slide tackle deb on the ice <laughs> those fucking blades hockey deb would I be know. An, matt deb would be an enforcer right <laughs> probably yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, is, what is that they fight all the time ah They're, it's it's basically the coach goes up yeah. and down and said and they go i don't like that star player just did it to my guy and they get, get the tap on the back go kill him but and then he get, jumps over the board. He skates over to the 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 other player bench and goes, "You're next." <laughs> yeah, it's it's an oversimplification, but the, sounds like Mad Max to me. The, yeah. the enforcer is really only on the team to get penalized for taking out another team's player, and not not always taking them out permanently. Although sometimes, sometimes that does happen, yeah. but, kills them. But no. most of the time, yeah. it's you know you go out, get in a fight, and then you both get five for fighting, and then you're both in the penalty box, and then they put in you know players that uh, they feel are more match for the other team's lineup at that point in time. Of course, nowadays to get someone off of the ice, you really just need to start an email chain <laughs> with a whole bunch of derogatory comments and shit, and then leak that yeah. to the press, and, and then they get fired. Yep off yeah i'd be careful if you get five for fighting you might create a really bad album uh, <laughs> jeff what'd you do this week i went and saw no time to die uh the latest and latest james bond film and the last james bond film for daniel craig uh that was a really fun movie right. i really enjoy i i i feel now like this is my new favorite daniel craig Bond film. What was your favorite prior to this? Uh, well, that would have been Casino Royale. Okay. Because that was the one that started it off. Because it, it felt like a bookend because Casino Royale is really the character of James Bond learning how to become a double O agent. You know, so he's, he's very raw. He's very unrefined. And then this one, he seems much more refined and, you know, uh, just more James Bondish, I guess. Uh, what's fascinating about the film is it's loaded with e Easter eggs. Uh, it's directed by Kerry Joy Fukunaga, who did. Um, uh, you try that name, Torgo. It's it's a tough name. That, to that say. one I did just fine. Thank you very much. Uh, but so, yeah, I don't uh, say that very often. But, but. <laughs> uh, Fukunaga is is known for the uh, the HBO series. Uh, I just literally totally blanked out on it, and I have the. That's all right. I had the page open. Anyway, uh, he created the, the series on HBO that I'll think of here in a minute when it's not important. But uh, I think he did a good job directing this film. Um, there is an all-star cast in this. You know, they bring back all of the uh, the characters from the previous films. How many? Uh, how yeah. many did Daniel Craig do now? Six. Is this six or seven? I'm trying to think. I think this is six. But as far as like the actual number of years, he's the longest tenured Bond because it's been 15 years since the first film. To, to wow. this one. So even longer than Sean Connery. Yeah. Wow. Man, um, oh man, oh man. But there's just a lot of like subtle little Easter eggs. Some of them are just camera framing. Like there's this one instance that I really don't want to give it away too much, but he's he runs into a hall that's a circular hall and they go to a wide shot 
And as he turns, it's a dead ringer for the classic opening where he, you know, like you're be, you're looking down the barrel of the gun, the classic Bond opening, but just the shape of the 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 tunnel that he's in, oh, nice. and 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 everything. I just I literally there were moments like that all through the movie that I would just go like ha, and the guy next to me was just like what? Oh, you were that guy? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, because it it just like it it caught me off guard. It's things I wasn't expecting, and you know. No Jeff. one expects you to be quiet when you go see a movie. Right. <laughs> Jeff. You're allowed yeah. to laugh. You're True allowed detective. to clap. True. Yes. Thank you. True Detective was because I'm sitting there going, I'm like, oh, it was the Mac- Matthew McConaughey series that was so good. But yes, True Detective was, uh, was the HBO series that uh, Carrie Joy Fukunaga uh, co-created and then uh, directed the first few episodes. So, um, but yeah, I it just it was a it was a fun film. It had some great action sequences, obviously some emotion because it's this, the last film for Craig. Um, I don't want to give too much more away because it definitely sets up for an ending that uh, I think you're not really going to be expecting uh, from a typical Bond film. But right. um, this, is, this was kind of pitched as being a new era, a new Bond style and it definitely it was definitely was across the series i haven't seen all of them there's mm-hmm. this i've only seen about half of the craig ones sure one thing i didn't like about this latest bond series is one of the problems i have with the latest star wars series is that it made everything a little smaller than it was yeah by by making blofeld related to bond yeah yeah um that was i think was a horrible misstep but other than that i've liked them overall and 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 it's weird too because it's like yeah like you said they're related but they're not blood related which they kind of bring up in this film I I don't like I said well I, that and the whole Blofeld is responsible for all sorts of and it's just <clears throat> I think saying they made it smaller is a great way to put that because it's just that was sort of like eh, I mean I don't know. In an else world kind of way, sure, I, you could find it very fascinating, right? And, and trying to get that emotional attachment between these two sure. classic villains of yeah. the series. I understand why they did it, but for an international man of mystery, if you excuse me for the other term, um, making the the hero and villain world that small is just yeah, That's yeah. And it, it's I I think part of it is the difficulty you have with bringing that character into the 21st century because you don't really have these outlandish gadgets like you had in this you know the 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 60s era 70s era and in the 80s era bond because a lot of those gadgets are commonplace now uh you know you, 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 your cell phone does 99% of the things that he had like multiple gadgets for sure, Mike, in one Mike device. Sure, make a smoke screen. Well, Absolutely. not that, but... Uh, so I kind of skipped this stuff because my cell phone has a garrote right, right in it. Uh, so I don't I, I, do the watch thing. I just... I needed to up the model from that one. Yeah. That's, that's a little too analog for me. <laughs> and not only that, but You're like... You're very analog. It, it was much easier, I think, in the early Bond films because you had a clear-cut villain... And you also had clear-cut uh, political differences, you know. Say, you had you had clear-cut political incorrectness too. But yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> but I mean, you you're, you're talking more Cold War era stuff. So right. so the Russians are always the big bad looming, even though you have like Spectre and you have all of these other agencies that are you know 
working within the various governments and so forth. But now you have Russia, a much more you have a much more differentiated, I guess, villain base to draw from in the modern world, and that's not even including like the actual villains that you're trying to tie in from the you know the classic storytelling of that character. So, you know how how do, how do you bring a, a basically a very outrageous character created by Ian Fleming into a modern day where spies can't be easily identified. You know, it's like everybody knows who James Bond is in the James Bond world. Sure. A good spy, no one knows who that person is. And when you're talking about human intelligence gathering, the best ones are the ones that never get caught and are never found out about until long after they've passed away and things are declassified. So. One of the things I, I, uh, that kind of strikes against that, it's kind of funny. Uh, I, I haven't seen No Time to Die yet, although I assume uh, Jeffrey Wright shows up, uh, Felix Leiter. But, yes, um, yes. But Felix Leiter is sort of like the appropriate spy, right? You know, mm-hmm. He doesn't announce himself. He just sort of appears next to him and he's like hello yep. old boy uh you know oh dear oh my and then he kind of like disappears mm-hmm. you know and that's that's so you get that kind of juxtaposition of the this is the fantasy creation well and know. yeah and and it's interesting you bring that up too because the felix Leiter character at least in the modern bond series or in the craig bond series tends to be only known by Bond and very close confidants of Bond and no one else outside of Leiter's own personal assistants know who he is. Exactly. Exactly. Where it seems like everywhere he goes, everybody knows who Bond is. Sure. Although they did less of that with the Daniel Craig version, you know, Mm -hmm. but like definitely in the Sean Connery... Roger Moore. Well, it was and always Pierce Brosnan. It was always he'd show up on an American submarine, and the commander walks up. James, how you? Blah, 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 yep. you know, <clears throat> and not to discount the Timothy the Timothy Dalton. I skipped over Timothy Dalton. Yeah, no, don't, well, don't it's understandable. Lots of people do. What? So. <laughs> how many Bond films are there now? Total. Jesus. Jillions. Like forty. Yeah, something like sounds that. right. Forty-ish. Yeah. Somewhere sounds, in the forties. Yeah, sounds about right. I also watched Squid Game. I just remember that. Oh, really? Now you remember that you uh, watched the whole ha- series? No, no, like, halfway through. Halfway oh, okay. Even Paulette like binged most of it already. It's hard to tear your eyes away from well, once you've begun it. Let me tell you this. I actually went and bought a um, square squid uh, management costume for <laughs> Did you? Halloween. Yeah, for Halloween. Are you going to be one of the squiddies for Halloween? Yes, I wow. Am. One of the many, probably, I assume. There's yeah, that's lots. pretty popular yeah. right now. But But a good time to do it. Yeah, like four years from now, people won't care. Yeah, now people. That's will what care. I was like. I was like, I need to get it now because it's relevant. But yeah, and it wasn't expensive. No, it was like forty-five bucks or something. Twenty-six. But, so, uh, so you're about halfway through it. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, episode four or five, I think five. But uh, yeah, awesome Thoughts? show. Oh, it's amazing, amazing. Like Hunger Games meets Saw, meets. Yeah, that's what it means. <laughs> but but I mean, I love it. I love sure. it. Like, I'm 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 li- I'm watching it. Um, English subtitles. Uh, I assume that I'm missing some stuff because the translation's bad. I've heard. I've but, heard the uh, same. But if it is, it didn't hurt my viewing of it. No, 
it, it was a little rough the first episode. I was like, can I really like relate to this character? Like the the main character there, I was like, he's kind of annoying, but then he's actually grown on me a little bit as episodes go on. But have you seen it, Kay? Or no? I have not yet. It is an exercise Jeff? in tension. I have I not. Oh, you I'll watch to. it. That first episode will hook you. Mm-hmm. That's what I keep hearing. Uh, yes. I mean, it's it's all over the place now. I mean, you yeah. know, yeah. everybody's everybody's talking about it. Well, officially, worldwide, it is Netflix's most popular show ever. Right. All right. To the point that there's an internet provider in Korea that is suing Netflix because so many people watch it. It's like um, <laughs> destroyed their network or something like, yeah. something like that. Funny. I imagine in Korea it's pretty popular. <laughs> yeah. There you go. We need to put out um, a set of uh, green tracksuit geek shock uh, <laughs> numbers on it. Yeah. Get Barry's double O negative. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh, Kirsten said there's only been 24? 26. 26. I think, 26 I think that, if that includes Never Say Never Again. Okay. Wow. Uh, I, 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 I felt like I there was more than that. that. <laughs> what? I th- it feels like there's more than that, but I yeah. I definitely could be wrong. Probably yeah. am. Actually, there's technically less than that because isn't um, Thunderball and the other one like the same movie? Thunderball or, and Never right. Say Never Again are the same movie. Right. That's, okay, right. that's what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Well, what's yeah. crazy, I've watched Never Say Never Again probably 15 times and I've never seen Thunderball. <laughs> oh, wow. I know. <laughs> it, this, this is a fact that he has mentioned multiple times to me and it still blows my He's mind. He's probably proud of that. Because yeah. weirdly, <laughs> I remember when he showed me... Uh, Never say never again. When I was visiting him, and he was so proud of it, he says, "This is like literally one of my favorite Bond films." And I'm like, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, I feel like I've seen this before, this story before, but I don't. But but I mean, all the the actors are different, except for obviously uh, Sean Connery. And then it was you know a couple of years later that I you know when I was a little bit older, I found out about the whole um, the lawsuit, and, the broccoli you know, incident. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and uh, of course, uh, the writer getting the rights to that particular storyline, and wanted to make a whole bunch of different versions of essentially Thunderball, <laughs> and Never Say Never Again was so the first sort of, one. Sort of, sort of Taylor Swifting his uh, Bond movie thing by remaking them, yeah, and making his much. own. Wow, I never. Put that together. Good job, Kay. I, I just did it right now because of the way Jeffrey. And, you know, go go Taylor. Put her on the Bond movies, gang. Damn right. Make her the next Bond. There you go. No. Get her slapped around by 007. <laughs> she can get slapped around by 007. And, oh, wait, and, and then she'll write a song about it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it's, it's interesting because they, they are going to have to reboot the series afterwards. And they have been floating around the idea of doing a female 007. Right. Which, of course, the man babies have been throwing a fit <laughs> yes. about. Right. But Have we? Yeah. What? I want it. What are you talking about? 007 female seducing all those women? That's hot. They <laughs> want that. Well, only if it's not like 007. It's Kathleen. Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? The Kathleen Kennedy be Blofeld. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. I never thought of it like that. Yeah, that's, yeah, good, that's a good idea. Yeah. She ruined everything right from her birth. I really have to watch my wording when I, <laughs> I make statements like that. You sure did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a button. Yeah. And you it pressed it. It clearly is. Um, 
And, uh, and and it's interesting because I don't think that that's necessarily what they're trying to do in this movie. But there what? is there is a character in the movie that I could see easily being set up as being the next 007. Oh, okay. And, and as a lead for the next round of movies, whenever so, that is. But so he's the mutt of this show. No, and uh, she. Oh, okay. Is the is the so, uh, so like, she's the mutt of the show. She like, is a character. That is important to the storyline, but I, I'm like sitting there going, okay, I see how they could continue from here if they want to carry on the continuity of this film. Although Barbara Broccoli has publicly stated that they're not even going to consider casting for the next round of series until next year. And then the earliest they would go into production on another film would be 2023. So, so they can get rid of the whole James Bond name and they'll be like, Jamie, Jamie Bond. And, and Honestly, they don't even need to keep the name because I, I would say that, yeah. yeah. 007, you know, just, just 007. Do, do the, yeah, do has, the, yeah, it's been established that that's a moniker for you keep know. the last name, but yeah, whatever. You can I say the, keep the switch the ginger, but keep the name the same. Switch the that's, ginger, that's hot. So we're going to replace Matt, yes, switch the ginger. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I kind of want to. I kind of want to. Braithwaite Smythe, <laughs> Patricia Braithwaite Smythe, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Oh shit!" Patricia By the Wood. Yeah. They don't yes. say anything about it. Just everyone's like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, they're just don't. Oh my god, fuck! It's a double O feminist. <laughs> Give me a cosmopolitan shake. Oh, it, shit. <laughs> 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 really? <laughs> really? <laughs> You know when it's they It's not sex in the city. <laughs> when they when they when they cut to her apartment, you know, you see all the soccer trophies on the mantelpiece. You know. She was on Bennett like Beckham. Little, yeah. little little collection of uh of uh, red cards and yellow cards. Mm-hmm. You don't get to keep those. Wait, wait. Does no. Austin Martin make a van? Austin, Austin Martin? Martin? <laughs> yeah, baby. Oh, Jesus. Make that minivan, baby. Martin. Is that a, Austin? Is that the is Chinese? That the Chinese knockoff, Austin Martin. <laughs> well, at that point, it will be. That'd be the 007 movie. <laughs> Aston Martin is what I meant to say. Austin. I don't know where that Austin came from, but. Martin. Oh my god, that would be great. <laughs> the Austin Martin BD6 <laughs> only cost four hundred dollars. <laughs> Roll down windows. <laughs> You try to floor it, and it's only going to like sixty kilometers right. an hour. The brakes are out. Come on! Um, the brakes are out on the the the, the mountain pass, and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna!" Uh, turns on the AC, the car stops. Phew! <laughs> <laughs> How about going up the mountain, and it just starts going this way, <laughs> like sliding backwards. <laughs> Meant to say Austin Martin, but uh, yeah, yeah. It it would have been a good joke, Matt, but that's okay because we made it better. Yeah. <laughs> really missing Andy right <laughs> I had an interesting lesson in show writing this week. Oh. Uh, I gave La Brea the good old college try. Why? I, 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 I liked the idea. I, it seemed like a kind of a hollow earth kind of thing. Talking about the NBC show, the right? The NBC show La Brea. Okay. Uh, it's, it was like, it's on Hulu. I missed it when it, when it premiered. I'm like, I want to give it a shot. There, you know, we've got some some regular channel sci-fi going on. Let's see how, the state of things. Uh, the state of things is nothing has changed since Lost. <laughs> uh, 
I watched an episode and a half before I'm like, I just can't anymore. Yep. The, the characters are, are shallow and single dimensional. The effects are meh at best. It's, it's, it's trying to do a little bit more of, of grittiness to it. Just a little, you know, dragging off a body violently. Okay. Further than I've seen you go in a while. Standard television. However, the characters are blah. Nobody is interesting, and I'm not interested in anybody's side story, which they do desperately want to tell. So I switched over and started watching Why the Last Man, based off of the comic book series about the a virus that wipes out the entire male gender worldwide, leaving of only every women, species of every species. Yep. Uh, leaving one, and he's looking for his wanted-to-be fiance. And the writing on that show is spectacular. The show's super dark. Boy, is a super dark. It don't don't watch it if if you're if you're feeling down. It's not going to help your situation whatsoever. But it is really good from the moment it begins. Those characters are characters. Those characters are apparent through every flaw, every move, and you want to know more about them. Not because they're telling them about themselves. Oh, I'm the doctor here. I will help. They're not doing that. That's what La Brea does. Everyone announces what they are and what their role is going to be in the future. Ugh. This one, they don't have to say a damn thing. You're intrigued with these people. They have complex problems, complex personalities, and you want to know more, and you want to know what happens when they meet one another or meet others that are just as complex. It is a night and day of what old writing used to be and what the new writing is, the stuff that's going forward, the stuff that's good on HBO, the stuff that's good on FX, the stuff that's good on Sundance, the TV that is being written for the new generation of television. Versus Lost versus... The old sitcom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ed, I like Buffy. I like Buffy a lot. But Buffy is of its era. Yeah, it was episodic. And so if Very you, much if, so. Yeah, and if you watch it now, you, you, you see those flaws easily because of the new generation of television. Yeah, especially. it's pretty cringy, actually. So especially <laughs> the first season. We've talked infinitely <laughs> about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, La Brea is a style of writing that has long since passed and network television has to get on board. You don't have to get on board with the nastiness that can come with some of this new television. It doesn't have to be gritty, dirty, dark, dank. It just has to have interesting characters and writing of this new style, which everything isn't just told to you. It's shown to you in little bits and pieces and through conflict. It's spectacular so far. Why the Last Man? La Brea, give it a fucking pass. Don't do what I did and give it a chance. You don't have to. You don't have know. to do that anymore. It sounds like you could actually benefit to watch the first episode of La Brea and then slide her into Why the Last Man. <laughs> hey, you know what? It was a quite an education yeah. of two varying styles of conflicting television. <laughs> I, I just, I've always disliked when television does that. Uh, and it does seem to be much more on the, the big three networks. NBC. Especially, well, NBC yeah, NBC especially. especially. Um, but it's that it's it's like they don't give the audience enough credit to be able to. They think you are fucking stupid. Yes, and the the, the excuse they make is like, well, in this in this day and age of binging and 
and people having all these other options to watch that they feel like they need to spell out as much as possible early on to get you engaged. And I'm like, no, part of the engagement is the mystery. So if you don't know what this character is going to be right off the bat. Right. If it, you yeah. don't watch the episode in the first five minutes, know exactly how that show's going to end. Yeah. Because I hate shows like that. You're like, oh, this is the killer or yeah. this is the bad guy or this is the person who did that. And not mystery for mystery's sake. Right. Lost was somewhat interesting because of its whole mystery box yes. thing. Right. And that's kind of played out now. The mystery box thing. Sure. It's, it's obvious what's happening. It's kind of the M, M. Night Shyamalan thing. He's changed well, his twist. format since. Right. Yeah. You, his first few movies, you got to know it was going to be a twist at the end, and you were just anticipating it at that point. That's the way this is. The mystery box is played out. Yeah. Yeah. But Why the Last Man's good. Um, Barry's read all the comics. So we watched, when I went to visit a couple weeks ago, we watched the first episode. It was good. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What's it on? It is on Hulu. Uh, FX for Hulu. Right. So, yeah, very, very specific on this one. But you know what? If you haven't gotten on board with Hulu yet, and I understand if you haven't, it's worth getting on there just for the trial, just to try it, to watch this show. It's one of the things I can say. And don't they, ha- I still haven't seen uh, uh, Handmaid's Tale. That's also Hulu, oh right? God, yes. And it's I've such read a good the, show. I've read the book, haven't seen the show yet. Such a good show. And so I understand it's worthwhile just for that. But now you have Why the Last Man as well. So now you got two great choices. See, and I'm, I'm, we've had Hulu for years. Um, but there's also, I appreciate that, um, you know, some of the, some of the networks, you either get to watch them on Netflix or you watch them on Hulu. Getting to watch them on Hulu. If they air on Hulu, you get to watch them the next day. If they are on Netflix, you don't get to watch them until the season's over and they have posted the entire season on that. It drives me insane. I can't stand it, which is why I'm so behind in all the CW, um, all of the, those comic shows, because I have to wait until the summer and then, you know, I, it's four shows that I've got to watch an entire season of. So yeah. I, don't know. I, pre- I prefer the binging option yeah. of the whole season. Well, it, well this, that's me. And then also Only Murders in the Building is oh, also on Hulu. Yeah. So, That's right. Um, the ninth out of ten episodes just posted on Tuesday of this week. So the finale is coming up this coming Tuesday. Um, I would say, and, and unfortunately for me, I, I have the, the free Hulu plan uh, with my mobile carrier. So I have the ad one. So just bear in mind that anything that you're going to watch episodic on Hulu... There's going to be at least four ad breaks in there. They are 90 seconds to two full minutes long each time. You cannot skip them. So just be prepared um, to have that. But at least they're set up in a way that you know there's an ad break coming. So you're not missing out on anything. I I will say that. If you're getting Hulu for free like Jeff is through his Mm -hmm. provider... You know, take advantage of that. Enjoy it. Absolutely. But if you're purchasing Hulu, yeah. go ahead and spend the extra yes. few bucks. Get the commercial-free yeah. version. It's so much so better. So much better. Absolutely. I, I was definitely going to say the same thing. Another show, though, that's really good that I really enjoy on Hulu is uh, Motherland. Oh, okay. It's, so it's a show that's on Freeform, okay. which is, you know, Disney's, like, more young adult teenager network or whatever. Um and it's based on a book series. I've not read the books. Um, I'd be interested if any anybody out there has actually read the books to hear how they are. Um, but witchcraft. So it goes back to um, the, um, why am I not the Civil War, the Revolutionary War. So witches are real. They existed in the United, they existed here before we were in the United States and they helped fight the Revolutionary War. Fine. And 
um, they actually become the military. So in this world, the military are all witches, are all people of, of magic. I like it. And um, those powers can only be passed through the female line. So in so the military is pretty much mostly women and women of like power. So um, and they work for the government. The government set up just like we are now with a president and, you know, um, and um, it's interesting. It's really interesting. And the, the leader of the military, Sarah, and I'm blanking on her last name, but she is the first, she is the, the, the witch that helped George Washington win the Revolutionary War. Oh. She has been kept alive through a, a magical um, spell that she, they don't really talk about in too much in depth, but she's like um, attached to seven other women. The Golden Throne. The Golden Throne? Of the Imperium. Uh-huh. <laughs> Keeps her alive. Yeah. That's how she's yeah. Alive. Death through the fault. Did we just go to War Machine or Warhammer? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Warhammer. So that's, that, that's how they keep her alive. Just, you know. All right. Um, but no, I mean, it, keep in mind it's on Freeform. It's, this is, again, my love of things that are, you sure. know, meant for slightly younger people most of the time, but I really enjoy it. All right. It's a good show. I'm making note of that because... I'm always looking for fun things on Hulu. And they're about to go into their third season. Good. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. So two seasons so far. Yep. They just finished the second one, I think, um, six weeks ago. Super duper. All right, Kay, give it to me. What would you do this week? <sighs> Actually, um, I got the fourth issue of Last Ronin, the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the joint that the, the guys are doing, Eastman Laird. And uh, I'm enjoying them mostly because uh, they, they'll do a flashback sequence and they do it in the old style art, which is always fun to look at. So it's a comic? Yeah, yeah. And it's a prestige format too. It's not just a simple soft nice. cover. Yeah. So it's, a, it, it's an interesting story, but I'm actually, I really enjoy when they do their, uh, when they do their little uh, flashbacks and they do their original style art. So I've been enjoying that. I watched Dave Chappelle's uh, latest on Netflix, which has caused a little controversy. Um, it's interesting. I think stand-ups can definitely benefit from this because looking at it structurally, because the structure of it's actually very obvious. It's not like a lot of stand-ups where you don't you you actually think they're just somebody's coming out there and just you know throwing out whatever jokes are working this thing has a total structure to it and he does an effortless job of just running through that telling his stories telling his jokes and running through that and bringing things around again i don't agree with him on the whole turf position the trans exclusionary radical feminist thing um and it's funny because one of the points he makes is one of the reasons I, uh, one of the things I think is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a man and I'm not trans. So I don't know if I should be weighing in on the whole women, trans women thing like that. But at the same time, I also, um, and it's funny because for reasons he explains, because he actually does a very, he tells a very good very good story in there about someone he knows. He is a turf, and I would say I'm not, and it's kind of weird because the story he tells is, is kind of explains both of us, I guess you could say. 
I would say don't don't give it a pass um, straight out, but actually think about uh, think about watching that. But I don't agree with uh, with his conclusion that it comes to. I watched Oats Volume One. <clears throat> votes, uh, votes, Oats Volume One. Um, I'd seen most of those on YouTube. In fact, the uh, the one um, short. Uh, zygote, the thing that takes place on the North Pole, is one that I've described before because that has that eerie Lovecraftian monster thing that has one of the most disturbing monster cries I've ever heard anywhere. That that you hear that you your bowels kind of loosen. Is it like a ghast in Minecraft? Because they're kind of <laughs> creepy. Well, this it it, it it's it sincerely sounds like a human being in some kind of torment but it's it's not your stereotypical hollywood this is a human being in torment you know it, it the sound is just it's like they've added something so it's got that extra like it's very hands-on you yeah get all cringy and like <laughs> it's 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 yeah the sound is agonizing the creature is pretty agonizing it's the sound too. what happens when you effortlessly slide tackle somebody yeah there you, go. <laughs> you probably heard it many times probably. Yeah. Yeah. okay good to know yeah yeah she might have made it a few times on the attack <laughs> so um i watched your next a uh um a horror type movie it's a uh, one type, of those like one of those uh home invasion um scary movies and it's interesting it's got it's got flips in it and it's not just directly straightforward um it pretty well done so I, I definitely recommend it. It's and very entertaining. It's, yes. it's, it's, it's not harrowing. It does har- har- harrowing moments. Yes. But it's there more to entertain you. Yes. Than scare you. Yeah, no. It's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not the cream of the crop for that kind of thing. But I, I was intrigued by the concept, so I went ahead and watched it. And it was funny because, intrigued by the concept, I watched Exorcist 3. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, Exorcist I, three is not bad. I actually, um, I okay. actually, yes, I, 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 uh, I actually liked it. Um, I remember Exorcist two when I was younger. Now and that I, one's bad. I think I saw <laughs> Exorcist three because I remember bits and pieces. William Peter Blatty is not a director, right? So, and it's obvious in this movie. It's it's not it's not a finely made movie, but I actually liked the whole sequel aspect of it to the first movie it's, and what it harkened back to. It's based on a good novel. Yes. It's based on the novel Legion, and Legion is a good right. scary story. George C. Scott, I think, does a pretty good performance, and Brad Dorif is actually scare you, creep you out to the to the wall balls to the wall creepy he really is how many exorcist films do they have uh five currently yeah if you count the two that were remade with each other Mm -hmm. um and now they're working on a new one that throws out everything but the first one yeah interesting and then of course there's repossessed but that's a whole nother story (laughs) (laughs) but but yeah exorcist of course is the movie and exorcist three is not is not in that realm but I actually thought it was better than I've heard. 
So I actually enjoy, and it did have some, it did have some creepy chills up the back moments. For yes, me. and in fact, uh, if you mm-hmm. want see enough lists of scariest moments in horror films ever, you'll find that movie on some of those lists for a particular hospital scene. It has a just a wonderful shock scene to it that yes. you're not ready for that just jumps you good. They, he, he. It's funny because Blatty did some rather pedestrian shooting in a lot of the movie. Um, he'd do uh, establishing shots, worm's eye view, looking up at the building as the fog rolls across, you know. Or he'd do just straight, direct, uh, medium shots, you know, level, eye level, all that. But then he does this one bit where the whole scene takes place, you're looking down a hallway. And it's a long shot with a nurse and some security guards. And it actually, it's a long shot, too. It's, it's not like a, a short edited scene. So that, that was actually very interesting. I was sitting there watching that just like, oh, I appreciate the, the experimentation in this because this is actually kind of cool. So and like the nurse would go off over here and you'd see a security guard or police officer, actually police officer talk to another and then they disappear and then she comes back and then a police officer comes in and he does all this back and forth stuff. And it was I was actually that was actually neat. But I liked I liked actually the story. I liked the theme of it. And uh, like I said, um, the performances were uh, good throughout but i think george c scott did a good job and brad dorff is just fucking yeah it's it, brad dorff man. it's so funny because i watched that as a kid and i never thought of brad dorff i remember you know one flew over the cuckoo's nest never thought about brad dorff i don't really think about him until you know uh lord of the rings right but he's been around and he's a hell of a man that and deadwood what about dune yeah, <laughs> pretty creepy in Dune too. Yeah, yeah. he. I mean, he and Chucky. Yes, yeah, Chucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who was he in Deadwood? He was. Uh, he was the doctor. Oh. Yeah, yeah. How do you like that? That's like the greatest compliment you can give an actor. Is is? Oh my God, he was that. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that was that was the first time I was like, oh God damn, I liked him in Lord of the Rings, but this is awesome, and. Um, and he's just always been there. So there's tons of shit back to that pedestrian shooting because there's a, more than a couple scenes where Dorif is talking right, right to the camera, kind of, sort of, as he's losing his shit, and he gets very effective. Plus, he, he always seems to have, like, one tear running down his face. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's hilarious. So. But it was very good. I actually enjoyed it. I so. second that. I second it. Uh, then I saw Writers of Justice. I'm sorry? Yeah. What? Writers of Justice. What made you want to watch that? Mads Mikkelsen. Ah. Uh, this is a Danish movie. Okay. The Writers of Justice is a motorcycle gang. And the promo I saw for it was a motorcycle gang runs up against a Danish Rambo. And Mads Mikkelsen is, uh, is that... That Rambo. Yes. And it's... This movie is so interesting because you're expecting that you're going to go into this probably John Wickish type of European action movie. And 
It starts on a slow burn. It punches with a shock within the first few minutes and then drops in these scenes of comedy with these characters who are so well written you can't just say they're comic relief and Mads Mikkelsen plays this character who's keeping struggling to keep his disciplined control as things are going on but it is not laugh out loud funny the whole time and it also discusses grief and loss and then at about 60% of the way through it, all of a sudden has this existential discussion, which is just amazing. Oh. It's, it's actually a phenomenally well-written movie. You were talking about old way versus new way when you mentioned that. And this is funny because this is, this is a European movie. It's in Danish. You're watching in subtitles. And the comic relief characters are very, very fleshed out. They're very real characters, even though they're kind of bizarre. And they also have their moments of reality. So it's not like they're funny every time they show up. It's like these people have these funny things that go on. And these discussions happen that get suddenly very deep. And then all of a sudden, it's punctuated with violence, nasty violence. And then it goes back into its thing again. And so you're discussing grief, you're discussing ex uh, existence, meaning. In an American movie, you'd get really deep into faith, but this being European and especially Nordic, um, it touches on faith, but it actually kind of gets into, uh, it flirts with nihilism. But there's sort of, a, I think one of the underlying themes is finding meaning in nihilism. <clears throat> and uh, it's extraordinarily well written. McKelson is staggeringly good in this performance. He plays the less is more slow burn throughout much of, much, much of this movie. But then he has his explosions, which are very, very... Uh, effective and all of the all of the supporting characters are incredibly well performed all of them it's 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 incredibly well done i can't recommend this movie enough so some people might find it a little slow and these characters can get so fucking weird but i'm telling you right now uh writers of justice with mads mckelson uh is actually a uh a, a hell of a movie so Noted. I, I definitely say uh, you watch that. And Exorcist 3, if you can handle it, I think, I think, it's, uh, I think it's definitely worth it. So, All right, before we continue on, I want to put a big shout-out to our Buckfest and Haggis tier members, Leon Met, Jan Jeff Harris, Jake Godbold, and Ozzy Matt. Thank you so much. And the Geek Shock Book Club is still reading The Fireman by Joe Hill, but we'll be doing nominations soon for next month's book, so be watching out for that. And with that behind us, we have to say, news you don't give a shit about! Oh, oh God. I like it. I like the pop. Thank you. Yeah, the pop. I yeah, like the pop. Kind of makes it pop. It does make it pop. Well, you won't let him do the burp anymore. So no, had to that's come true. Else. Burps or pops? I oh, take pops. Wait, here it is. I'm bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs>
Ba-dum, bum, bum. News don't give a shit about Disney is going to court on Marvel's behalf. The corporation has sued the families of Marble Legends. Marble. Marble Legends. You know, they're really good at that game. <laughs> they do uh, what what the, right? <laughs> I think so. Uh, Marvel Legends, Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, Ron, uh, Don Rico, Don Heck, Larry Lieber, and Gene Colan in order to prevent them from claiming copyrights for a slew of Marvel characters, including Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Ant-Man, Hawkeye, Thor, and Black Widow. Uh, reportedly, Disney filed the lawsuits in response to receiving copyright termination notices from the families, which claimed the rights of the characters should revert to the creator's heirs. The families of the creators claim that copyright law allows them to reclaim rights once a set amount of time has passed. Disney is arguing that the part of the copyright law doesn't apply here, as the creators came up with the characters under a work-for-hire contract. If the families win out, they will have partial rights to a slew of Marvel characters that are now worth billions. Uh, previous cases, however, have tended to side with the publisher. In 2014, Jack Kirby's family had taken a similar path, and an appeals court in that case ruled in favor of Disney, saying that Kirby was working for hire. The two parties ultimately settled, with Disney giving the Kirby family an undisclosed amount of money rather than having the case be heard by the Supreme Court. Uh, DC has also faced a similar case with Superman creators Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster trying and failing with their own termination notice. Uh, for Disney, the legendary Marvel method, where the authors and artists collaborated on creating comic book issues, works in the corporation's favor, as the system makes it hard to assign ownership to a specific individual, so chances are these cases will be ruled in Disney's favor or settled out of court. If the families win, however, Disney would still hold on to some rights to the characters and be able to control and profit from any ventures they have outside of the United States. So that's uh, in the works right now. So that, that, that guy, the, there's a lawyer who is the common denominator in all of these lawsuits. And this guy is an ambulance-chasing bastard who actually gets these families rolling on this. You, uh, you mentioned yes. the prior case... It's the same lawyer. Yeah. And this guy steps, I, f I forget his name, but he steps in, he gets this going. And, you know, on the one hand, you're a creator and you want to support creators' rights. But at the other hand, this guy, he's just here to get his cut and to, to keep stirring the shit up. And it, it, it's actually kind of annoying. Yeah. I mean, so stuff like that exists in the world that I work in. My old employer chemical company and it's flat out like when you sign employment you know if you create or or discover you know a new chemical while you work here it belongs to the company right um and i think a lot of industries have that clause in their contracts that if you were hired by them to do that even be creative or not if you create something brand new while you're employed and it is for them it belongs to them so I mean, as much as it kind of sucks in the creative world for that, um, if that is what your job is and they are paying you to do that, that's what they're paying for. That's one of the reasons why in the 90s, a lot of comic book writers were hesitant to design new characters for DC or Marvel for that reason and went on to Image and Dark Horse. It's, it's really funny, too, because you look at the 90s and it's kind of known as a uh, nadir uh, for like the big two in a lot of character creation, especially Marvel. The, the, the spectacularly bad costume designs and some really, 
really crappy characters, and you could almost see, oh, yeah, they're they're holding out on their their good ideas. There's a reason they almost went bankrupt in the 90s. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I always go back and forth on this, this issue because I'm definitely supportive of, of creators' rights and, you know, you know, getting credit where credit is due, you know, being able to profit off of something that you created. The problem I always get into is families of these creators decades after that they have passed trying to claim the copyright for themselves. So, well, it's our family's property. It's our family's legacy. And it's like, well, no, it's not, it's not really. It's yeah. that person's legacy. And that person is now passed. Were that person still alive? Absolutely supportive of them trying to regain some of the rights to that character. Right, right. But, and once, I mean, once I, again, the, the common denominator, yeah. Jeff, you look into all the court documents, this guy yeah. is there. Because right. in a lot of cases, I know like in Siegel and Schuster, it keeps coming up, but there were original settlements out of court. Yeah, you know where payments were made, you right. know, and then this guy shows up and and it, it starts the whole thing all over again. Yeah, and then the Siegel and Schuster one ended up getting settled out of court once again as most, well. Most of them get settled out of court, yeah. Yeah. and uh, it, it it because what, as Todd yeah. pointed out, if it goes all the way through, right. the court goes. This is the contract mm-hmm. or lack of contract. It was work for hire. Boom. End of story. The whole point is to pressure the corporations into a settlement. Yes. What, what's also ironic, I, 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 I got to go back and find the article to find the name of the lawyer, but there's the d- defense team for Disney is the same that defended successfully for DC and some of these other ones. Uh, that, I could that, almost, that, that, that the same lawyer. I could almost see it like this whole fucking little group, and you know they play poker on Thursday, talking about the. the <laughs> hey, you know, I'm going to sue you on Friday. Yeah, exactly. I'll see you in court. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, that's money for all of us. Also, two. I need two. Hit me two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any anybody got queens? Uh, yeah, Go fish. yeah. You know, it's just. Uh, I, I don't know. I, maybe I, it's just that whole notion of legacy being passed on now if 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 it's situations like where you have you know a father that maybe taught his son or daughter to be an artist and they've also created and maybe carried on that legacy and they were actively creating in that same vein i would probably not have a problem with it but it's just this notion of you know our grandfather created something 50 years ago we're entitled to a portion of what he or you know he created and it's like, I don't know. It's like I had this discussion actually. Is that inheritance with a, thing with uh, Alex Ross? Yeah, way back in the day when we were first talking about Kirby and the like and all of those sure. discussions. And uh, he was actually like, "If I have kids, because at that point he hadn't even been wasn't even married. He right. was like, if, but if I have kids, I want them to be able to profit off of my work going into the future.'" And so it was sort of like, uh, okay. And I think one of the big problems in these discussions is the big, big, big characters were created in that time uh, under those conditions, and things are different now. It's right. like, it's like I'm going to sit here and say, well, guys, uh, Iron Man and the Avengers and Justice League, this is all different from whatever Alex is creating. 
And honestly, it's like if he wants his family to continue to profit through the generations off of that kind of stuff, I'm sort of like... I don't know. I kind of, I kind of agree with it. I think that well, maybe yeah, maybe it's the artist's intent, you know, as far as the legacy. Sure, you know, if they do intend for their family to reap the benefits of mm-hmm. their creation, so be it. Right. But I know a lot of people who are, you know, like, well, I, I did all of this to become where I'm at. I feel like my children need to do the same. Sure, establish their own sure. legacy. The, the Walmart leave them only ten million. Yeah. Or right. in some in some cases, you know, they don't leave them anything. Poor right. things. You know? Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Well. Um, so I mean, yeah. I guess it just yeah, like you're saying. I think it goes down to the artist's intent. But it, it's also, I think, the, the fact that the biggest stuff now was created work for hire back sure. when nobody had any idea any of this was going anywhere or would be around 50 75 yeah. years yeah. later i mean you know they were creating this kirby was working 12 hours a day seven yeah. days a week to pay the rent yep so i don't i don't i don't know i kind of i i understand the holding on to it and the legacy listen down with the mouse same overall thinking Matt yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. well then there's also the fact that the transitions that occur right I mean the Iron Man that is uh, made billions for Disney is not exactly the Iron Man that was made in the 60s no and so different Exactly, and the Thor yeah. is pretty different, you know. So it's so the, that's one of my other problems is like there are so many creators who have their input that to sit there and say, well, these people created and should benefit, and it's like, yeah. well, what about the this guy who did ten years on that character and really really turned him around and transformed him and made him into something else? Yeah, some of the things we find most iconic about you know a character's personality or appearance and so forth are many times created well after the original creator has passed it on sure. to the next or, generation of artists and or, or, writers. Or you had the Stan Lee, Kirby, yep. Ditko arguments. The yep. Kane Finger mm-hmm. arguments, right? Where some people, I've heard some people say that, that Kane had nothing to do with Joker. Yeah. Right? Bill Finger had everything to do with that. So it's sort of, you know, then it... Well, to bring it to something, I don't know, some people might relate to a little bit better. It's like saying whoever created the cell phone forever, no matter mm. what it looks like or what model it is or what company, gets a cut. Interesting way, friend. Yeah. It simplifies it. And it's a different media, of course, obviously, but it's it's a similar concept. Yeah, Someone, Gene, Gene Roddenberry. And frankly, I, I, I do think that there is a middle ground for all of this if parties could come to an agreement on yes. it. Yes, yeah. that, and that a percentage of it goes to legacy, sure, and the current owner gets the larger percentage. And it will. They'll settle out of court. The families will get their pieces, and that lawyer will fucking get oh, his he's pieces. He's going to get a huge chunk. Mm-hmm. It, that's, yeah, I should also clarify. I'm not defending Disney. Disney's made yeah. well, so yeah. much money off and, of these characters. And the work for hire thing, yeah. even in the 70s, the, yeah. the companies knew they were fucking people over. Oh, yeah. Even before Hollywood got a hold of Superman, they knew they were fucking them over. So right. it's, it's, you, can't, you can't actually, you can't pour corporations about this. No. Weekend Geek! Woohoo! Jake Gyllenhaal is set to star in the feature film adaptation of Rob Liefeld's comic book, Profit. 
with extraction filmmaker Sam Hargrave directing. Jilden Hall will be taking on the lead role of John Prophet. John Prophet is a man, quote, conscripted by Germans near the end of World War II and subjected to scientific experiments that gave him superhuman strength. Now, in the film, quote, John Prophet volunteers for a German experiment near the end of World War II in order to feed his family. After a bombing buries him alive and traps him underground for 20 years, he reawakens in 1965 where things are not great for Prophet. The world has moved on without him. His daughter resents him, and the KGB agents are after him to create super soldiers from his blood, unquote. Mark Guggenheim, who has worked on the CW's Arrowverse TV shows, is writing the script. So, yes, uh, Rob Leefield's uh, Captain America, I mean, uh, Prophet, <laughs> is uh, being uh-huh. made into a movie mm-hmm. with Jake Gyllenhaal starring. Huh. Okay. I haven't I'm, read the comic. Me either. Which, which, it's in that 90s era of comicdom. Which mm-hmm. comic company? Uh, if I remember right, is that Valiant? Is that, that who did Profit? Or is it Image? I would, I would assume Image. Okay. Was, was Liefeld ever with Valiant? You're right. I don't think he ever was. I don't think he ever was. So it's got to be Image. It might have been awesome comics. It could very well be. <laughs> but, uh, oh, by the way, uh, Matt, just to briefly touch on the whole you know, talking about who came up with what. Um, in Star Trek, the original series, one very uncredited creator was a, was a Chinese-American uh, prop and makeup designer, Hua Chang, yeah. who actually designed a lot of the props and doesn't get the props for it. Oh, you, you, <laughs> I, you, you, you. But it, it is actually true. Um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the Star Trek: The Experience Circle um, actually uh, is friends with uh, Michael Akuda, um, creator of the Akudagram, right for Next Generation on Facebook. So he will occasionally step up and like, hey guys, don't forget the contributions of uh, Wa Chang, because yeah. he actually did do a lot of stuff. And yeah, there was there there sometimes he did get credit, but there there were times. When racism played a part, and they actually uh, they downplayed his input in creating stuff. Yeah, so. same thing with like Bob Justman, right. and um, I, I forget the producer on the uh, the third season that basically was the only thing keeping that show together because right. Roddenberry had completely departed, but yeah. introduced concepts like Starfleet and mm-hmm. uh, but and and even Roddenberry didn't really profit a whole lot from Star Trek. Yeah. Until much later in his life, because oh, yeah. Star Trek was essentially completely owned by Paramount. I mean, yeah, he had the created by, and he had some things that he worked in he so that some he would stuff. get paid. Like he had some stuff. He uh, well, he, he wrote t- he wrote lyrics. That's, I was just for the theme say, song so that he would get credit al- credit alongside Alexander Courage and get so. some get some scratch from that. Yeah, even though they didn't use it. Yeah, they, they never use lyrics, lyrics. Which, if you, thank goodness. If you if you heard the lyrics, you'd be like, oh yeah, no. And if he, you really want to hear him, look up the Tenacious D version yeah. of it. They sing a great version <laughs> yes. of it. He also yeah. founded Lincoln Enterprises, which was a way for him to um, to profit outside of you know what little bits Paramount was paying him. Because well, Lincoln would take like film stills of uh, cutting room floor. Uh, film strip, the old 35 millimeter strips, and they cut those out. They'd make prints of those, right. and then they developed like the official Star Trek newsletter, and they would was send it, out was prints it of those. Nimoy like gave him some pushback with like the the, yes. the idic. 
the idic the, the little was, symbol because that was a that was a merch yes. thing he was trying to come up with. That was that was something Roddenberry wanted him to wear in the episode, and he fought against it. He he bought into the whole concept of the IDIC, which is infinite diversity and infinite combinations. But when Roddenberry had that design, that lapel pin design. Nimoy suspected that that was going to be something that would be sold through Lincoln Enterprises. Yeah. And when he confronted Roddenberry about it, he confirmed it. And so they fought about it. He eventually conceded and it did wear it on the, on the show. And they didn't draw as much attention to it, I think, as Roddenberry originally wanted. But, yeah. well, that, it, and then they did sell an official pin outside yeah. of... So, but it's, it, 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 sometimes just figuring out who the hell did what, Yeah, uh, as uh, uh, Todd said can be a can be a thing but watch yeah. chang folks yeah because those things aren't created in a vacuum i mean that's a, that's right there's a whole bunch of people that contribute to yep. those well, especially types of especially like television yeah oh, television yeah. is the, the hugest in terms of collaboration i will now do uh-oh an interpretive reading Oh, no. Of the original star trek lyrics you by gene roddenberry God, i'm having <laughs> paul flashbacks Beyond the rim of the starlight, my love is wandering in starflight. I know he'll find in star-clustered reaches love, strange love, a star woman teaches. I know his journey ends never. His Star Trek will go on forever. But tell him, while he wanders his starry sea, remember, remember me. Thank that's you. awful. Thank you. Holy <laughs> shit, that's awful. Not, not how you read it, but those lyrics are awful. Yeah, they're terrible. I can see yeah. it as a poem. I yeah. can see it as a poem. I think I think it's quite clear the lyrics were not meant to be used. No, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. It's just... Although I did actually one year, uh, Nichelle Nichols, at one of her convention appearances, did sing it. That's and not she, surprising. She yeah. actually did a very good job with it because they are incredibly harsh lyrics. Listen. With <laughs> Poor, poorly, poorly written lyrics. With the but right she did voice, a good job with that's it. That's yeah. a fart is beautiful. There you yeah. go. It's all in the delivery. Yes. It's all in the delivery. But yeah, she sang it along with, uh, with the music. Yeah. And it Farts was, it was actually quite not belches. Right? It, was, it was quite impressive. Not Anybody fart. can fart out their mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just want that star woman to teach me some strange love. Right, and I want that journey to end never. <laughs> I thought you had seven years of that, Kirsten. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, DC has announced that the newly dubbed Superman, John Kent, is bisexual. The publisher states that his sexuality will be revealed on November 9th, Superman, Son of Kal-El, number five. Quote, I always said everyone's needs... Let me start that fucking thing again. I've always said everyone needs heroes and everyone deserves to see themselves in their heroes. And I'm very grateful DC and Warner Brothers share this idea, unquote. Uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El writer Tom Taylor says in the announcement, Superman's symbol has always stood for hope, for truth, and for justice. Today, that symbol represents something more. Today, more people can see themselves in the most powerful superhero in comics, unquote. Originally introduced in 2015's Convergence, Superman number two, John Kent, 
has taken up the mantle as Superman after his father. The original Superman decides to focus on extraterrestrial events. John's sexuality has been teased in previous issues of Superman, son of Kal-El, with an attraction to fellow reporter named Jay Nakamura. See, I, I can do those, Matt. Okay, all right. Strongly hinted at in recent months. Uh, Taylor said that leaks were making it so the news was going to be known by the general public sooner or later, so that's why they went ahead and pre-announced it. Yeah, there's well, a lot of people throwing up a fit about this, and I'm and just I, like, and, and it's, they're not yeah. fucking with Superman. If yeah. that's your, yeah. if well, that's your issue, well, now, yeah, hey, it's, guys, guys, they, they, the, the, the clickbaits and the announcement itself kind of does lean towards Superman is my. So, I mean, I think getting upset about it is stupid. Sure, but at the same time, it was you do have to kind of dig in there to find out. Oh, they're not talking about Superman. Not, Superman. It's not Cal L. It, right. Yeah. It's it's John L. John L. I, I, I think it's still, and I'm going to do it. I think it's still the man baby problem, like you have with oh, James yes. Bond. Oh no 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 yeah. oh. no no! It def- Hands down. It's definitely Cal. I just it, your fault, Deb. By the way, uh-huh. Tom Taylor. Yes, what did he write his own name? It just—it comes down to that whole notion <laughs> of. <adored> it. <laughs> no, I'm right here, Jeff. Pay attention to me. No, Jeff. Yeah. Jeff's got man babies right. That's how you take care of man babies. Just fucking ignore it. Yeah, I didn't even get in there. <laughs> it's, <laughs> a lot of it does deal with a lot of selfishness. You of people pay attention with, to him. You know, He's talking. No. <laughs> That selfishness of like, I have a very oh distinct God. vision of what this character is. And, my and, vision and, is just totally what it was when it was created by Bill Siegel. <laughs> <laughs> and the spinoffs of any of those characters. And Simon and, and Schuster. And how, you know, how they're represented by modern artists. Mary and, Finger. Then, you know, like with that whole, oh, they're too woke now. And it's like, oh, God damn it. Just... If you want to focus on your your classic Superman, that's still available to you. But maybe not be so bigoted and maybe not be so... Apparently, it's a big ask, Jeff. Well, I know. <laughs> well, it comes down to that wow. self, the selfish nature of like, this is me. This is my thing. Even though I didn't create it, this is mine. Right. And how dare you... How dare you meddle with it? And it's like, that's... But the thing that we're meddling with is not your thing. It's like, no, but it's still related to my thing. So... I have a right to tell you how to how to deal with your own creation. I like it really hard, so I should have a say in how it goes. Yeah. And by the way, oh shit, Kathleen Kennedy <laughs> is also alliterative. You think about that? Yeah. I'm not gonna. She's a fake villain created. My God. SJWs. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You should be. <laughs> you empowered us. Yeah, that. that's right. Wow, the man baby is empowered by a woman. I really like this. <laughs> wait, 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 watch your mouth, God damn it. I need my diaper change. <laughs> Disney is making a film about Walt Disney and the creation and building of Disneyland. The untitled movie will be directed by David Gordon Green, the guy that's directing Halloween Kills. And the script will be written by Evan. I'm not saying that name. Oh, come on. Coward. You're so proud of yourself. Yeah, really. Come on. Say it. Sound it out, Todd. Pronounce. Spiliotop. 
Topolist? Billy Topolist. Uh, the whose name credits include Disney's really? Beauty and the Beast. Really? Snow White Greek? and the Huntsman. Greek scares you? It's long names that scare me. Not not where they come from, but the length. Multiple <laughs> syllable names frighten him. You polysyllabic? Get, yep. I am not a polysyllabic human being. You've learned this by now. <laughs> He's a monosyllabic person. I'm a wow. monosyllabic We're human the discriminate. Being. Me hungry. Me want board game. <laughs> <laughs> the original theme park opened in Anaheim, California during the summer of 1955. There are no other details that have been revealed about the film. I kind of hope they get Tom Hanks to play him again. It would be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, I enjoyed that movie. Um, the one about Mary, making Mary Poppins. It's good. Too bad there's not one bit of truth to the whole thing. I know, but it was it, Tom it, Hanks. Yes. Still, I, no. I appreciated him as playing Walt. I, it's, I did. It's, it's a fun movie standalone if you're willing to concede that nothing in the movie is actually what happened in real life. It is It is definitely a fantasy Shit, of that's how I approach what life. could have happened if... If they actually got along well. And, and frankly, it's probably going to be the same for this movie. Yeah. Disney making a movie about how Disneyland is made is not going yeah. to be a warts and all thing. I mean, yeah. it's the same problem I have. with the, I love Bohemian Rhapsody, but the fact that Queen were actively involved in the script writing and the production, there's so much of that film that is not even just an idealized version of Freddie Mercury's life. It's... A very idealized fantasy version <laughs> of what things were like for him. Hmm. Yeah. Well, all the same, though, it's a movie about the making of Disneyland. Yeah. I'm, yes. I'm all down for that. Me sure. Yeah. yeah, me too. Although, you know, too bad it's not being made by Netflix because then you'd be seeing Walt smoking right. all over the fucking Kirsten place. loves it. Yeah, I just the smoking and drinking because you know it was the fifth. It was Walt's right. like yeah. 40s and 50s. So yeah, drinking all the time. Everybody had alcohol in their office. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, Deb. Yeah, really. <laughs> Matt will dip into the uh, cleaning solution at work <laughs> right after his lunch break. Well, it helps his office is the closet, so it's yeah. it. <laughs> You could do like what I've heard that people who go to boot camp do, which is drink Listerine. It was funny. My dad was, uh, good. My dad was a corpsman. Uh, when he was in the Navy, attached to the Marines, and he said in their, uh, when they were working the hospital wards and stuff, they would actually take hypodermics and inject vodka into, oh. like, oranges. Oh, and then okay. they just sit yeah. there and they'd eat oranges all day while working. <laughs> it's like, Dad, were, were you, like, taking care of sick people while you were doing this? <laughs> Different times, son. Different time. It's actually not the first time I've heard something like that. Yeah. Where they were just... It sounds like a very military yeah. approach to... Getting around the rules. Yeah. Humans are clever. They'd have conquered the world if they applied that to actual fighting. But yes. Uh, you mean in the late 40s? <laughs> <laughs> what the that was my knee. Oh, okay. okay. You think more inventions like sarin gas is necessary? Because I don't. Oh, shit. Oh, throne. Oh, boy. Throne oh, goddamn boy. You pissed on. You pissed off the SJ Warrior. <laughs> I'm going to stand over here and just watch it. I'm just watching. Hey, where are you going? No, no, don't. Don't. Where are we going? Red light, green light. <laughs> <laughs> Red light, green light. Green light. Such a fun game to play. Yeah. Doesn't matter what you say. 
they're gonna make this shit anyway. After like seeing Squid Game, red light. Just, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> red light. Oh shit! All right, it's time to bring this meeting of Dunright Productions to order. It is time to green light one more show. All right, and each of you only gets one green light on the choice, and one or more of these may be fake. All right, so I have four pitches for you. It is Solar Babies. Tales of the Walking Dead, Nighthawks, and The Blade Artist. Are you ready for the pitches? Yeah, go ahead. Thank let's, you. Let's I, hear them. I'm glad one of you is ready. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Can we... What was the last one? Uh, Blade Runner. No, no. No, uh, Solar, <laughs> Solar Babies, <laughs> Tales of the Walking Dead, Nighthawks. And The Blade Artist. And oh, Blade, Blade Artist. Sorry. Artist. I heard Blade Runner. Yeah, that's, I'm sure you did. For those at home, I take notes. <laughs> All right, I'm already greenlighting Blade Babies. <laughs> All right, we'll start with Solar Babies. In a future, water has disappeared from the earth. And a group of teenagers who live at an orphanage run by the despotic rulers of New Earth find an orb of special power. They escape from the orphanage and try to cross the wasteland looking for a place they can live free even as the stormtroopers search for them and the orb. The series is slated to be updated with new effects, soundtrack, time, and time of events. The original story will be virtually untouched, said Asher Angel, who has recently signed on to play an undisclosed part. Ian Armitage of young Sheldon fame has been rumored to be slated to play the part of Daniel. Uh, Robert Rodriguez is in charge of this, aiming to film at the same locations as the original when possible, but the technology behind the filming of The Mandalorian is being implemented. Filming is starting August 2022. Hmm. So what do you think of Solar Babies? Based off the movie of the 80s. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say. Rodriguez. Like, as soon as you said it, I'm like, wait. That movie? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I had never seen it, but yeah. n- not well received, if my memory was there. Nope. I have vague recollections I, but, of seeing but it. This, this definitely, I think, falls into the, if you're going to remake something, remake something better. Better, yes. Yeah. And the 80s, I mean, the, they just couldn't do the effects that they needed to for a movie like right. that, probably. Right. And Rodriguez, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, mean. Robert Rodriguez, it's an alliterative name. He's got a pretty good track record, yeah. and you know, I know some people poo-poo his his children-centric movies that he makes for children, and I'm like, well, those movies are for children; they're not yeah. they're not for adults. So, I mean, you know, but the 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 films that he, and series that he creates for adults have a pretty good track record. I, I missed the first sentence, and I thought this didn't seem like it started right. So Robert Rodriguez teamed up with Disney Plus and MGM for a series remake of oh, the 86 okay. classic Solar Babies. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. All right. Next up, Tales of the Walking Dead. AMC's The Walking Dead is spinning off an anthology series. <laughs> Did you got Sorry. something to say over there? <laughs> It's an elephant walk that, under your chair. Listen, that's what I think of this. That's what I think of this. Wow. Tales from the Walking Dead. Jeff's over there cracking a rat. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff uh, Jeff gave that a blue light. <laughs> blue light special. Red light, blink, blue flame. Oh. Well, at least it wasn't a mouth burp. <laughs> <laughs> a mouth burp? <laughs> Oh, farts are fine. (laughs) (laughs) 
AMC's The Walking Dead is spinning off the anthology series Tales of the Walking Dead, eyeing a summer 2022 release on AMC and AMC+. Channing Powell will serve as showrunner, closing, uh, working closely alongside Scott Gimple. Currently airing, season 11 is slated to conclude sometime next year before spinning off into a different show centered around Daryl Dixon and Carol Pettier, uh, Pelletier. The new show will join a growing slate of Walking Dead projects, even with the original series coming to an end, along with the Carol Daryl spinoff. There's the Carol Daryl. It's what it is. It's Carol slash Daryl. There's your title for that series, babe. Carol Daryl. Uh, Fear of the Walking Dead is still going, and the final season of The Walking Dead World Beyond is airing now and expanding the mythos. And of course, further down the line, AMC is prepping a series of Rick Grimes-centric films. But Tales of the Walking Dead, standalone stories, what do you think? Uh, let it die. <laughs> it does The whole Walking Dead. The whole point. <laughs> Just stop. No, it doesn't. It doesn't die. Until you shoot it in the head. I think they want to keep it running until it's popular again. That's what it feels like. <laughs> I think I think the only people Wow, watch- Deb just thinking like wow. an exec. The only people watching the original Walking Dead right now are people just hate watching it. That's all it is. Well, well. I, mean, I enjoyed the first few seasons. Yes, then- because it had the showrunner going and then he left on season three or whatever it was, and it went downhill since then. Season one. Wow. That's oh yeah, okay, and, left and right after. happened in season two. Mm, some yeah. spicy right there. All right. Okay, so let me ask you: When did you fall off? When was the moment you're like, "I'm not, I'm done"? Um, I can answer that too. So, watch. <laughs> Just saying, but I have. A, we I, watched, I remember my point. I'll get to you. Yeah. We watched the very <laughs> the first whole season that had Negan. We watched that, and then after that, um, I think that was when we actually dropped real cable and started going to, um, you know, subscription services mostly. Tortuga. So, no. Um, <sighs> And they then, were slinging. Yeah. Uh. So we had to wait until the season was done before it was on something we could watch. And then we just kind of, it t- we took our time. And when we finally started watching it, we were like, where are they going? Because we've read the comics. Sure. And we're like, what What are they doing? Like, they, at that point, they were so far off the comic story. Yeah, Negan, I understand, was a big departure. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, um, like what they ended up doing with him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um so we were just like, yeah, I like the comic story. You've now made this like, and that, I get totally not being the same. I get it. But when they first started, they were. And that's the part that's frustrating. It's like when they first started the first couple seasons, they were the comic. And then at some point they decided, let's do something else. And you're like, but you were doing the story. And it was successful. If you're going to do something else, do something else from the beginning. Don't do it halfway through after you've already started doing the main story and then decide to do something now. So... Okay, Matt, when did you uh, fall off? Uh, right after he killed, Negan killed Glenn and Abraham. I was like, I was like, I, I can't watch this anymore. I'm well, that done. happened in the comic. Yeah, but I, I didn't read the comics. So. So, but I mean, right then I was like, okay, I'm done. I can't watch this anymore. It was like stress watching. Ah. And it, it, that was one of the most stressful moments of television watching. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, yes. it killed me. Yeah. I was. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where I fall, fell off as well. I think I watched a few more episodes into that season after uh, you know Negan killed. Well, because you had the finale where you know you don't know what happens, and then yeah. the season premiere, you saw what happened with Glenn and Abraham, and then it was just like I don't know. It just felt like the, the series was getting darker and darker, and that just felt like there was no more sliver of hope. Uh, I think I watched. 
Well, I watched the premiere, and I think I watched three episodes after that, and I just was just like, I can't. There's too much going on here. There's too much negativity. There's just too much darkness. You know, I want, I want to watch something that is hopeful and positive. And of course, that was like right around the same time that you know my mom was was declining. So yeah. I just I think that might have been a trigger for me on that. But I just also just felt like enough was enough with that series. And um, I just felt like, you know, Negan was also the embodiment of all the negativity that was in the world at that time. And even currently, you and, know, it's like, I'm going to do whatever I want and there's nothing you can do about it. And isn't That's there it. like a, a redemption thing going on with yeah, Negan? Supposedly. Yeah, supposedly. Which is, I mean, after, after, I didn't even watch it at that point. And, and, and I'm traumatized by Glenn and Abraham. And yeah. it's like, wait, wait, at, at some point... Negan kind of gets I don't know I mean I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan oh yeah and no. and actually I mean the way he played that character was yeah. outstanding yeah. he did an amazing job <clears throat> yeah. but it's sort of like uh, you know even when you go anti-hero there's a there's a point when you cross the line that there's no stepping back over yeah. the line and I don't know well it's kind of like Anakin uh, yeah. killing yeah. young killing a bunch of children and yeah. Or, or slaying an entire group of sand people, and we're still supposed to think he's a hero. Hey, <laughs> yeah. hey, he cried after he killed those slaying people. That's That totally <laughs> makes it okay. Does it, though? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See? Deb said, yeah. Mm-hmm. You put those fuckers... <laughs> I don't think that's the, mm, put, it was. Put those fuckers on a pitch with a ball on the ground, and... <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Yes, exactly. <laughs> then you're going to hear some, mm-hmm. Next up, we got Nighthawks. Sylvester Stallone's 1981 thriller movie Nighthawks is getting a series adaptation. Frank Grillo is set to star in the series as the hero of the story Stallone will direct. In the original film, quote, fresh from mounting a devastating bomb attack in London, an international terrorist arrives in New York and remains intent upon wrecking further bloody havoc. His preparation is clinical and thorough, but he overlooks one thing, the grit and steely determination of one New York cop, unquote. Uh, Grillo will play the New York cop, De Silva, and he will take this terrorist terror down by any means necessary. So what do you think of Nighthawks? Did you see the original Nighthawks? Yeah. Yeah. I have not. I haven't either, it's, but I do like that little pitch you just did there. I like Grillo. Yeah, um, I do too. Um, the, the original movie is definitely a, a 70s, movie cop here as a hero style movie um it's not a bad film it's one of stallone's better performances um before you really start getting into the you know the whole rambo ish rocky ish where what are you, you know talking about you know well, single I don't even understand what you're talking yeah, about single word sentences deep i said a lot of sentences with more than one word and then you know of course, it's got Billy D. Williams in it too, so there's that. No. Um, but no, I, I I think the film, um, I think it's ripe for being reintroduced. I think it could be easily updated. I think you could do a good job with it because it's not to say that the original is a bad film, but it's definitely a '70s film and would not hold up well with modern audiences. And just like Kirsten said, Frank Grillo is is a is a really good actor. Uh, not just with the action sequences, but with uh, 
some of the more comedic stuff because uh, yeah, I'd like to see him given yeah. an opportunity to actually do more. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of times he's the background heavy. Yes, right. and he was he was very much that in Marvel's cinematic universe, with little more to do in Captain America: Civil War. Right, but he was still essentially a background character until he was good the in. Thing. What the hell was the one I talked about? Boss level? Yeah. I think that was the title. The one he that was I good. talked that about as well. <clears throat> he was, was good. Yeah. He actually had the, you know, he had the scenes with the kid. Yeah. Those were very good. And he's got the chops to do more than just beat the crap out of it. That's him. what I was talking about. The comedic timing because yes. that movie is not necessarily a comedy, but there's a certain amount of hilarity in the way that well, he keeps getting killed exactly yeah. and and when he realizes it's like okay i made a mistake now i gotta do this all over again yes. kind of the you know he that, just stands there and waits to die yep. it's, that's, yeah. it's like oh, okay now this happened right and then you know on to the next but yeah mm-hmm. you're, you're right the the interaction with the kid uh you know the you know the the dramatic moments were just as good yes. as the moments where he was doing the action sequences and the comedic aspects of the some of the the deaths that he goes through. He's also good in the uh, uh, the one movie escapes me at the moment, but he was a getaway driver. The whole movie took place in a car. Oh, I know um, what you're talking about. Uh, what, what is the title of that? I forget it now, but that one, that one's good. I'm gonna look for that movie because uh, I want to see. I I like to see more. Of him, the I whole mean, you movie know. takes place him in the driver's seat. Pretty that's, much, that's yeah. actually I just and then I like the that other comment. characters are coming through the cell phone. All right, Matt. All right, green light, <laughs> <laughs> green light. You, but but you know it's it, when there's when there's more there. It, it, yeah. Okay. Anyway, all right. So that was Nighthawks. Yep. And finally, we have the Blade Artist. Director Danny Boyle's 1996 film Train Spotting is getting a sequel series. It will be based on Irvine Welsh's Trainspotting novel sequel, The Blade Artist. Robert Carlyle is set to reprise his role as Francis Begbie 20 years later. Carlyle and Welsh are executive producing. The project isn't attached to a network or streamer yet. Here is the synopsis for the novel, uh, The Blade Artist. Jim Francis has finally found himself the perfect life. That's Begbie and is now unrecognizable, even to himself, a successful painter and sculptor. He lives quietly with his wife, Melanie, and their two young daughters in an affluent beach town in California. Some say he's a fake and a con man, while others see him as a genuine visionary. But Francis has a very dark past, with another identity and a very different set of values. When he crosses the Atlantic to his native Scotland for the funeral of a murdered son he barely knew, his old Edinburgh community expects him to take bloody revenge. But as he confronts his previous life, all those friends and enemies, and, most alarmingly, his former self, Francis seems to have other ideas. When Melanie discovers something gruesome in California, which indicates that her husband's violent past might also be his psychotic present, things start to go very bad very quickly. So there you have it. What do you think of the Blade Artist? Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd say I'm going to pass on that one, I think. I just... I do like Robert Carlyle. I I yes. do too. And his, I, and his character Begbie is yeah a standout character in not only Train Spotting but Train Spotting Two. Right, but is it a character that can carry a whole film as series. the lead as 
somebody that's going through sure. the ups and downs of because he's not one of the likable characters. No, of that, those. that's exactly what I'm saying. That or that's kind of what I was hinting at. It's like, yeah, he's not a very likable character, and you're pitching him as you know the settled down guy in California who maybe, as that last tagline said, his dark past he hasn't quite left behind, but he's left some of that behind, and now he's going back to, you know, to Europe and. You know, Scotland and uh, I don't know. In my own mind, I don't see that character as being a character to carry a whole movie or TV show for that matter. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. But as an actor, yeah, I agree. TV show. I really, yeah. I appreciate him. I like his. Well, he was the best thing in um, Stargate universe. Yeah. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. He can carry a show, I think. Yeah, yeah he uh, can. It's not an act. It's not a. It's not a performance well, I mean, level he, thing. I he's think he's the main lead in that. So right, can... but it's the character. I don't know yeah. that the character. It's not a problem with the actor because Robert Carlyle has a good history of carrying films and yeah. being a inter- integral part of. But what if he's as it seems here? What is he if he's reformed himself, tried to recreate himself a new person and was successful at it. And now is that old person's calling him back. That sounds, yeah. that, I think that can be compelling, actually. And I like the idea of expanding, you know, the, the kind of sequel thing that is an expansion and drawing out of something as opposed to just repeat. So I don't, I don't know. I kind of, I'm kind of intrigued by the. Well, there you have it. You got Soul of the Babies, Tales of the Walking Dead, Nighthawks, and The Blade Artist. So where do you want to stick your green light, Deb? Solar babies. Why is that one the one that calls to you? I don't know. Um, it kind of, well, I mean, I like the the younger the younger stories. I don't know what it is. I like them, um, but it kind of reminds me of Ender's Game a little bit. And I did a like I so I read the novel. I appreciated the novel. Um, the later books you could leave, but um, now you're talking Ender's Game. Ender's Game. Okay. Um, but. I really liked the book. I I enjoyed the film, and so I would like to see something else that's similar. All right, Matt, where's yours? Nothing really grabbed me, so honestly. But I uh, I, I gotta go with the uh, the blade artist. I'm gonna go with the blade artist because just Robert Carlyle. I'm a I'm a big fan of his. So good enough reason for me. Yeah, Jeff, where do you put your green? That's tough because I I, I like uh, Robert Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez, excuse me, being behind Solar Babies, but. Uh, I also really like Frank Grillo, and I'd like to see what he could do with Nighthawks. So I think I'm going to go with Nighthawks. All right, Nighthawks. Uh, Kirsten. Yeah, this is, it's kind of, um, it's kind of difficult to, I think, actually sort through it. Because Solar Babies, you know, I'm, uh, if you're going to, you're going to remake something, remake something like Solar Babies. So I don't know. Um, and then, uh, it's really funny. I actually, a few weeks ago, I watched the uh, first episode of Fear the Walking Dead. Um, or I don't know if it actually was the first episode. It was the episode with the plane. Okay. The, and um, I was like looking at that and I was like, you see, to me, this is kind of like the interesting part of the zombie apocalypse when it's all happening. And I literally thought, I think it'd be kind of cool if there was a TV show, a series that were individual stories dealing with the beginning of the, the, the contagion. You mean like World War Z? 
Uh, sort of. Yeah. You know, but it, it and and it was it it was just, but it could also be different people. Just you know, like day one of the walkers, and then you just roll through it. And so this is kind of sort of like that. I mean, I don't know if they're dealing specifically with day one, but it is an anthology of different stories of the experience. So it's sort of like, eh, well, there you go. You're close. Um, and I like Robert Carlyle. I really kind of like the idea. I like the idea of expanding sequels uh, for Blade Artist doing, doing that kind of concept and the idea that he's... Because, you know, if you don't think about train spotting. I think, and just pitch this, you're going to get a different reaction from people who haven't seen Train Spotting because they're going to think, oh, reformed guy. Oh, ooh, he has a violent path. Ooh, you know, as opposed to like Nagin <laughs> redemption arc, which is essentially what we're kind of talking about. They kind of are. So, but I do kind of like that concept. But you know what? I Let's give something to Frank. Uh, Grillo I, I'm so and I'm kind of just like wow Nighthawks just what an idea to fucking make that a series so do it so uh, Nighthawks so with that Nighthawks is green lit so now that that's moving forward for our production company which of these do you think are fake Deb Nighthawks Matt love the green Nighthawks Jeff I think it's also Nighthawks just just I don't know. There's just something about it. it. There's. It's. I think it's because I want it to be real, and it's. It's probably the fake one. Well, and you said something that I. Maybe I'm just ignorant here, but Sylvester Stallone is going to direct it. Yes. Has he ever directed anything before? Yes. yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Uh, Rocky. Rocky. Rocky and oh, he directed uh, Rocky. No, no, no. no. Uh, Balboa. Sorry. Yeah, he didn't direct Rocky. Oh, I thought he, he wrote. Rocky. He wrote no, the first one. Yeah, John Advilson, okay. who also did Karate Kid. Uh-huh. Rocky, so. I see someone's got a niche. Exactly. Okay. So he, he, but Stallone has directed yes. other things. Okay. All the Expendables he, movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so. the, what, not the very last Ram- Rambo film, but the one before that. Yeah, the he Rambo also directed. sequel. Yeah, um, yeah he's, he's directed a lot of films, believe it or not. Yeah, he has. Okay. So he's uh, got any, the, any yeah. that he's not been in himself? Ooh, that's an excellent question. I that Ooh, that I don't yeah. know. Well, that geez. is an excellent question. Well, we have to like do some, like research now. <laughs> Jesus, or, or, we, or, we, or we don't, or we just Deb, you no, know, just, red light, green does. light used to be a lot easier. No, why don't the monkeys just send us it? Has he yeah. directed anything that let, he has starred in or yeah. been let, a part of? Let the shock monkeys wonder. Yes, and and <laughs> yes. wonder. It's a five second in, Google All right. in that wilderness. <laughs> All right, so you so that you said uh, Nighthawks. Yes. Yep. All right. Uh, Jeff said Nighthawks. Yep. And so you're still trying to figure I, it out. You know what? I'm I'm like, I'm falling back and forth between uh, Solar Babies and Nighthawks. Uh, I'll go with Nighthawks. All right. This week we only have one fake pitch. And that fake pitch was sent to us by Pat Spurl, and it is Solar Babies. Oh, man. Great. Kirsten, you should have gone with your gut. You should have gone with your gut. I'm so mad now. That's awesome, though. Great news, right? Once again, fuck you, Pat (laughs) Spurl. So that means Tales of the Walking Dead, Nighthawks, and Blade Artists are in some form of development. And Pat Spurl, once again, fantastic pitch. Good call on bringing Solar Babies into this. You (laughs) stinker. And if you've got a pitch, write to us, comments at geekshockpodcast.com. 
and uh, put pitches bitches in the subject title so I know where to find them. And also a quick shout out to our Fireball Whiskey Tier members, King Vald, Deb, and David Farrar. We really, really appreciate you. Uh, Dan Skeklasa, Daniel Loser, Snoop2, Elizabeth W., Daniel Adame, Daniel Adame, Gabe, I'm sorry, Gabriel Adame, Adrian Curse, Major Meh, John B., The Microscope, Mike, and Elena Knup, and we will talk about more of them in the future. Thank you so much for supporting us on Kofi. And uh, you can see everything you need to know at geekshockpodcast.com. Until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Maple Leaf Matt. And Deb. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. And for those in the membership tiers, go find the spoiler talk on What If. I said What If, right? Not What the... What the f- yeah, right. yeah, you, you did, did say right. What If. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You said What If. What It. The spoiler talk was about What The. What? I like what it. What it? That's an anthology series I want to see. What what? What it? That is. Not what what. That's what, a what? whole different creature. What, what are you talking what? about? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. It, what? No, that's all right. You can finish that out. We know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Come on, Dad. What what? In the butt. That's the one. What, that's what? the series we all want to watch. <laughs> Mueller, what the yeah, hell are you doing? It's basically with the female 007. So going back to the Blade artist really quick, when you yeah. said train spotting, I'm like, even McGregor movie, the only thing I remember about that film is they were like on drugs the whole time. I Pretty don't much. remember Robert Carlyle's character at all. Oh my gosh. At all. Yeah. All I remember is Ewan McGregor and them being completely high on drugs and a baby dying. He's, That's what I remember. I was going to say, Carlyle's character is pretty standout. I mean, he almost traumatized me in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's because, you know, I saw it probably during my... My years, my younger years when I was partying and doing stuff. So that's the, the pieces that stick in my head of <laughs> the, that mil- movie. Right. It, it's, it's the parts that you uh, you gravitated toward, that you, you understood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mean that scared the crap out of me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> blocked it out. I love that movie. And if you haven't seen Trainspotted 2 and you like the first one, goddamn, don't miss it. It's great.